This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So when this turkey grabbed his shoelace and it startled him and he jumped up, like he, he woke too, <laughs> he was sick, started vomiting violently oh, all no. over himself, all over the shotgun, everything was just puke, 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 puke. <laughs> And the whole time, these turkeys are like watching him. Like I was, we were like the turkeys and I were watching this dude puke sitting up next to a tree. And um, I think about that a lot. Are we live? We're live. Okay. Sweet. Today, we'll start with. So every episode we do a uh, powered by and. Um, We'll do this episode is powered by Garrison Brothers Cowboy Bourbon, which was brought to us by Palmetto Bourbon. So, Colton, tell everybody about Palmetto Bourbon. So, Palmetto Bourbon started, uh, it was more started last year. Um, we had a bunch of friends that were coming over and uh, enjoying bourbon together. And a lot of my buddies were just like, hey, why don't you put something together for the community? Um, there was always there was already something together uh, for Palmetto Bourbon Club with Tim Parker and Blair Smith on Facebook, but, uh, I went out individually and put something together on Instagram, uh, just to show off my collection, get, you know, people familiar with bourbon out there that is getting new to it. And, uh, it grew from there. So kind of grew the community throughout the Carolinas. And so here we are doing a podcast. So yeah. tell everybody your name and your Instagram account. So I'm Colton Palmetto underscore bourbon. Um, there we go. And tell us about this, uh, fine whiskey we're sipping on so, it's bourbon, right? Yep. Yeah, so Garrison Brothers Cowboy. It's a 2019 pick. Um, my good friend Michael got me hooked to this stuff uh, last year. But this is their top-of-the-line bourbon. Um, it is made from, number one, Panhandle white corn. Um, everything they use in the mash bill is more of a higher-end mix um, of ingredients. So anything from a Kentucky number two or anything, you're going to get a lot more different tasting notes than you would just with a Kentucky bourbon. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the aging process of Texas compared to Kentucky as well, but uh, the variation of temperature, obviously. But uh, this stuff is 137 proof, but you Dang. would never you would never think it. Well, 
for that, let's have our first taste, fellas. Cheers. Cheers. You're correct. That does not taste like as mm-hmm. high proof as it is. It's very good. I noticed right away when I was pouring it how dark it is. This is a very, oh, very yeah. dark. And it's is only there five, an age statement? It's only five years. Only five years. Really? And that's what you're talking about. That Texas aging is a little mm-hmm. different. Because of the heat. Right? The it variation is. of temperatures through the day. Yeah. yeah. You get a really hot, you know, hot throughout the day. And then at nighttime, it's it gets down where, to the 40s. Where is this distillery at? It's in Texas. Well, we're at in Texas, though. Do you know uh, how much That I do not know. I'm curious because... Um, the right like how how temperature varies in the eastern part of the state mm-hmm. is a lot different than the northwest or the western part of the state so i'm just curious like how how drastic we're talking you know what i mean yeah because you get up in the panhandle and I, if that's what they're talking about in terms of the white whiskey that's also close to oklahoma and those other areas where mm. they get 100 degree weather but then the same year they get Several inches of snow. So, yeah. so yeah. this is in high Texas. And if we were to it is, okay. put a piece of, uh, I meant high the city, not the oh. location. High <laughs> the city. So if we were to throw a map of Texas up and throw a dart right in the middle, that's basically where it's at. It's oh, okay. like it's about an hour or two north of San Antonio. Probably an hour south of Colleen. So I like to tell people that drink this. It's like if you compare, you know, obviously a Pappy Van Winkle to Buffalo Trace or, you know, a higher end Heaven Hill product. This is the Garrison Brothers top of the shelf. This is what they do once a year. Limited release. This is the Mac Daddy that comes out of their place. Um, And they only release it once a year. To I think it only bottle. I think bottle wise only have like 6,000 of them. So did you acquire this? I know you didn't buy it at a store, but did you acquire it? This was found in South Carolina? Yes, it was found in South Carolina. That's interesting. So it's a little price heavy, uh, 200 bucks, but... Um, interesting. It is, uh, it's well worth, worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. Something I, usually, I, I usually don't tell people what the age is on it. I just let them try it first to get used to it. And then when I tell them, they're like, no way, that's bullshit. And it's yeah. like, no, it's not. It's it's five-year age. And then everybody's like, "How? how is it? Five year age, you know, they just start questioning themselves on how it, how they get that taste factor out of this. So yeah. this podcast is for children, and we don't use foul language. Oh, really? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Delete that part. No, you're good. I was just joking. <laughs> nope. Uh, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have penned this as being as good as it is. I didn't think like you said it was going to be good, but you know, people tell me that all the time, and I can't like. Someone tells you a restaurant's really mm-hmm. good, and you go there, and you're like, "This is dog shit. This is the worst food I've ever." It's eaten. like. The way I describe this to people is like, it's almost like a smoked pepper and then you get a good yes. vanilla note and yes. um, it almost is like, I tell people barbecue sauce, which is kind of weird, but um, a lot of people don't get that, but I do. And then, you know, waited like eight seconds and then it's like, oof, there it is. And what then are you it, tasting on the back end? I have something that I can't put my finger on. It's like, I get that barbecue note on the end. Yeah. I'm not sure it's barbecue, but you taste cherry. And what was the thing you said? Mm-hmm. You had cherry the other day, and I don't taste it in it at all. Oh, we're talking about the old Fitz 14? Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. But, when um, you say barbecue, are you, like barbecue sauce, are you yeah. referring to like the like the sweetness of it? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, so like a um, like a molasses or like a brown sugar. That yes, you get? Yeah, there is, a, good, there is a lot of brown sugar on the finish yep. on this. I could get some brown sugar mm-hmm. for sure. That's I was like, trying to, I was thinking like tangy. It was like I said, like you wait eight seconds and then the spice just hits. Yeah, it and does. I can really, feel it in my throat. You don't ever think about it and you're just like, wow, that's 137. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, there it is. It's it's interesting drinking high proof bourbon in that 
some of them it's very high proof in the in the nose and some of them it's in the initial mouth mm. feel of it and then some it's on the finish this is definitely a finish well like i don't like, get high proof on the beginning at all mm-mm. so like a good point would be like the uh old forester barrel proofs and then you have the elijah craig barrel proofs um a lot of those over 130 proof will drink very hot and for me being an elijah craig barrel proof fan i'd I will say anything over 130 proof from them is very hot to me. Um, it's a great product, but like you said, this is, you can drink this and you don't even notice the heat up front. It takes a little while to develop. It does. And that's, what's so good about this product to me personally. What do you think Gus? I like the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, the, um, it does. It, it drinks surprisingly um, easy for for the proof that it is it doesn't have a a lot of a lot of high proof bourbons or whiskeys for that matter you know as soon as you get them on the tongue the ethanol is overwhelming then there's a long finish that makes it like you just doesn't seem to want to go go away mm-hmm. for lack of better you know description I don't get that on the front end now when, when you swallow right and it hits mm-hmm. that that area where you start to get it in your nose and you, you definitely feel it, mm-hmm. but the flavors that you get on that back end sort of make your mouth and your brain forget about the heat. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's trying to figure out what's going on. <clears throat> but beside that, and I wasn't kidding. I, I like the bottle a lot. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it reminds me of uh, when people talk about being a Colonel in Kentucky, like the Kentucky Colonel is different from a military Colonel, mm-hmm. but like this, this has like a purple heart badge kind of thing around it with the, I guess the Garrison Brothers logo, that star, the Texas star on it, it looks like it won. It looks like it's been to combat and then came back and was <laughs> like, hey, I'm a decorated combat veteran and this is what I taste like. And that's the reason that I like it because I get that. If you let, if you don't take another sip for a little while and just let it mellow, there is a spicy, almost like spicy food mouthfeel that mm-hmm. I still have minutes later. Um, and I kind of like that as being like, this bottle's been to war, and then when you taste of it, it's like, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna linger around for a little bit, some spice, and I, yeah. and I get that from it. I like the bottle as well. I like the gold and the black. I just combo. think, I just think, like, you know, having the word cowboy on the bottle, <laughs> like it looks. If it wasn't this shape, the only other shape bottle it could be would be like that one of the High West mm-hmm. bottles, the old style bottle. It's the only it's the only shape bottle I feel like you could have and have the word cowboy on the bottle. It's a beautiful presentation. Yeah, I like it a lot. The bottle looks like it hit somebody with a car and came out on top, yeah. which is pretty rare. Like, so I've came from Kentucky my whole life as far as like bourbon drinking. And I didn't really think anything about Texas as much because right. it just wasn't my thing. And the guys were the the guys that are part of our group, the bourbon thieves and the G Mob guys, they're just like, look. You got to venture out outside of Kentucky. You got to get into something different. You know, Kentucky's great. We all know that. We all yeah. enjoy good bourbon. Right, right. But there's so much more out there to explore that um, just people haven't experienced. Right. So when you get into like, I mean, craft distilleries are one thing. I would say Garrison Brothers would probably be labeled as craft. But um, I mean, you're not going to get that out of Kentucky. There's just no way. It's it's completely no. completely different, and uh, it's enjoyable as well. Um, it definitely is a curveball. I like to use that term. It's more like a curveball in the mix of the bourbon world that a lot of people don't experience it's until they try it. Yeah. So, I think it's really cool. I would, I don't know if, and, and I'm sure there are, um, maybe old elk would qualify as that, but I'm thinking on the opposite end mm-hmm. is someone taking an aging bourbon and like really extreme 
mostly cold conditions. Mm. Colorado gets pretty hot, so I don't know if that. But I was thinking, like you know, somewhere way up north, you'd have to age it longer. But I wonder what that would be like. Mm. And, no. I don't know, random thoughts. I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of the the old elk we've tried. Um, but like time. this, when this release, I watched a documentary on this last year. Um, but when this release actually comes out, they make like a big festival, which obviously with COVID, I don't know if they did it this year, but they will basically anybody that's local to Texas, they yeah. do a huge festival for them and they'll just do like barbecues, food trucks, mm-hmm. and they all come together and these people wait in line to get their cowboy picks. Wow. And it's a big event that they do in Texas. And uh, that sounds cool. It's, it's a, yeah, once a year thing. It's pretty cool to, to see and like kind of hear the experiences people have from it. And it's just like, but that'd be kind of cool to go visit, you know, and just see For everything. Sure. You want to do it this year? I'll <laughs> go with you. Okay. Maybe. I'm down to do it. That'd be a good, that'd be a good time. I want to go to the Kentucky Bourbon Festival as well. I love Texas. Yeah. So, yeah, we're both. I'll take an excuse to go. To, I was born in Texas. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily call it home, but it's like I've got family that lives in Houston. Um, the, I think it's interesting, you know, Texas whiskey has sort of taken its own, just like they do with Texas does with everything. They've sort of, they've taken something and said, you know what, we're going to do this and we're going to do it our way and (laughs) screw what anybody else thinks. And each of the big distilleries there, Garrison brothers, um, balconies, Mm -hmm. um, even some of the stuff that they're doing at, uh, crowded barrel, the, um, the whiskey tribe guys, they mm-hmm. are doing all kinds of really cool, weird stuff where they're, you know, it, it, they're painting within the lines legally of what is necessary for that particular kind of uh, whiskey. Uh, but they've made the box a little bigger so they can fit some other stuff in there. Yeah. I guess is the only way Which I can think of it. Texas it's of it's a flashy, it's a very flashy box too. Yeah. yeah. yeah Not yeah. only is the presentation on the bottle badass, but then you get a freaking, you know, oak box that yeah, yeah. it's all engraved and decked out. And they're and like several of their distilleries and like the facilities where they like they have great cool stories behind the I don't know they've just done a really good job I'd I'd love to spend a week or two and hit well they have the Texas whiskey or bourbon trail yeah, whatever, whatever they're calling it now yeah. mm-hmm. that'd be cool to do yeah I'd be down to do that as well that'd be maybe that's something we do we go for the cowboy release and then and then hit the the bourbon trail make a weekend of it yeah it's hard for a lot of people to to think you know wow two hundred dollars for that bottle at five years old but. And that's what I try to tell people. It's like, don't think about it as the age. Think about it as the quality you're getting just in the product itself. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the grain and everything they use is just so high end compared to what Kentucky is. And that's why you're getting that crazy, you know, palette. And then, you know, the finish is phenomenal in this. Um, but definitely different from outside of Kentucky. That's just the main thing I try to tell people. We're big anti-age statement guys anyway. Like, uh, And as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. like a lot of the scotches are getting away from age statements, but... An age statement used to mean something, but now the drive is just so high they can't develop. Mm-hmm. They can't deliver on these age statements. They they have to blend with something younger. And uh, yeah, I'm all about the quality of bourbon, not necessarily the color of the age statement. It's got to be something that I like. And I think I think Gus is pretty similar in, in thought as well. I'm actually not. But <laughs> no I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> yeah, it's um, I think age is just a number. You know, it's not yeah. so. Dumb, but in reality, this bottle epitomizes what you can do with good ingredients, mm-hmm. um, you know, time and, and, and a different a different atmospheric conditions and just using what you have at your advantage to come up with a great product. Um, I love it. I think it's great. 
So Colton, one thing I like to we so well I say that, but one thing we've always thought about asking for a whiskey guest because we've had a hunter on and now you're our first whiskey guest. Okay. Um, if you were to pick like three bottles, like someone that's never drank whiskey before, maybe they've been into wine and and they just like I don't like whiskey because one thing we always talk about is people say oh I don't like whiskey. It's like mm-hmm. oh there's like I don't know a million different bottles you've tried all million and you don't like any of them. <laughs> So it's we agree that it's a it's acquired taste. So if you were to start someone on bourbon alone, okay, this is can you can you think of real quick three bottles that would be good for a new drinker or someone that's not as well versed as we are, someone that doesn't have a collection, somebody that just oh I've had Maker's Mark and I like it. It's like all right, well let's let's expand into this. Makes sense. So like I, let's start with just like let's let's leave weed or like weeded bourbon out. Let's just yeah, yeah. start with regular bourbon on this one. So. Um, Obviously, I just blind tasted it and thought it was freaking phenomenal. Evan Williams bottle and bond. Obviously, be one of them on that list that everybody sure. should at least have. Um, you're, you're gonna get a lot of people that will shy away from it. Um, because and it's a 16 to 25 dollar bottle, oh, absolutely. So people understand. Um, the early times bottle and bond is That's another one. Well. Uh, I know the yeast strand uh was not uh, acquired by Sazerac when they bought the product. So I'm kind of curious to see how it's going to taste going forward. But the ones from um, that they are doing now that should be on the show for absolutely great picks. Um, I try to stay within the 100 proof range for newbies, um, but I would like to throw in a wild turkey rare breed in there. You can uh, still get it for one. 40 bucks. Yeah, yep. I mean, it's 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 available. It's on the shelf. Tastes great. Um, it gets people kind of familiar with the nuttiness and the peanuts on the palate. That's a great one. So now let's do online shopping. Something that you can buy, because you know in South Carolina we can ship here. A lot of states can't, mm-hmm. but if you were to tell someone, like, you're not going to find this in the store, but you can find it online, are there, is it, would your list change or would it stay similar? Uh, online, I would say, hmm, I think I would definitely go with New Riff being the first one on my list there. Um, New Riff, the single barrel they releases are at least four years, runs around 45 to 50 bucks. Great product all around. Um, even they even do store picks. The stuff that they release is just fantastic, um, and it, the consistency is what makes it great. Um, trying to think what else is out there that's really just popping off right now. I know a lot of stuff from Bardstown Distillery. They're they're doing a bunch of different blending. Um, I think it's their Discovery Series Batch Eight is a Kentucky and MGP bourbon blend from Indiana. And it runs anywhere between 130 to 140 bucks a bottle, but that is for people who are whiskey enthusiasts. I mean, that is just you got to try it to believe it. it. It is so good what they're doing in the blending over there. Um, those would be two that I would definitely recommend off the top of my head. I don't know if y'all have experienced anything from Bardstown. Um, have you had anything from Bardstown, Gus? No. Okay. Well, since you brought up blending, I hate to be guiding the conversation. Just you keep bringing up points that I want to talk about. That's good. So in blending, mm-hmm. that's one thing that we've been asked a lot of times when we kind of describe what we do to people at, at events. I mean, it's kind of clear what we do online, but at events when we're explaining whiskey and whitetails, a lot of times I get the question of, "So, so you guys make your own whiskey?" And we're like, <laughs> "No, no, 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 we're not," because that's yeah. how clueless people are. But we have batted around the idea of doing a blend of some type. So. In your experience, are there no-name companies that have blended, say I were to blend together the Wellers to make the Pappy, mm-hmm. say I were to do that, or, or some kind of BTAC combination, 
if I were to do that, would that be something that would ever even see that your eyes would ever even see? Because I don't know how many people, a lot of people do it, but I mean, how much, I know I don't pay attention to it. Well, so like, like how big of a waste of time and the money blending is getting fairly new, I think. Um, I mean, and obviously you can do a lot of in-home build, uh, excuse me, a lot of in-home blending, um, like between a 1910 and a 1920 old Forester. Right. Um, uh, that is a phenomenal mixture to put together there. It is. Um, why did the 1870, I think. You did 1870? Because the 1920 is my favorite bourbon. 1920 is great. I mean, you Love get a barrel-proof product for 60 bucks. It's, it's no different than the Elijah Craig's uh, yep. barrel-proofs. I mean, yep. But easier to find. Everybody 12, has 1920. 12-year-aged, $60 bottle of Elijah Craig barrel-proof. Got to be the number one bottle out there right now. Yep. I mean, just if you're looking at an allocated level and you're trying to, you know, Buffalo Trace is so inflated right now. That is the bottle on the shelf that people should be buying right now, in my opinion. Now it's going to go up like crazy, but yeah. <laughs> so for blends, are there any blend? Are there any companies that you know? Of? Like for instance, we go to because we're trying to stop promoting Buffalo Trace. They have enough, so mm-hmm. we're we're trying not to bring that up anymore. <laughs> so if we were to go to Old Forester, or go to Jim Beam, or something like that, go go talk to those guys, and we pick two barrels and mix them, and then come here to Deepwater Vineyards in mm-hmm. Johns Island, and then age our bourbon in a James Island or a John's Island mm-hmm. winery barrel for like, I don't know, a year or two. Something like that. If somebody were to make that, would you ever give a shit? Would you ever even see it? Would it come across? Because I don't know that I see it ever, and, and that's one of the reasons we've been kind of curious about it. I think you would. Um, the problem with that is you're, once you, whatever you promote or put in that barrel to age and blend, it's the promoting process is what really takes a lot of time at that point. For so, sure. yeah, you're going to have to, make it and if it's a good product that's badass but you know now you have to go out and say hey this is why it's a badass product but we won't know for two years that's exactly the point yeah, yeah. so uh, so that makes me like imagine uh, uh, imagine a master distiller that puts something together and throws it in barrels and was like see we'll you, see see you in eight years yeah, we'll figure <laughs> it out yeah that's one of our favorite points too yeah I don't, it's I don't wild. Know if, if you've listened to an episode of the podcast before we, we talk about all the time that that a master distiller may never see his third batch mm-hmm. come to fruition like it's that's the goal and um and that's why a lot of people when they get they say something about a ten year bourbon like oh it's pretty good it's ten year bourbon mm-hmm. it's like that's it that's all you got to say there's so you much there's so much more to that process a ten year yeah. bourbon ten years and they didn't know what I mean obviously they taste it as it goes along mm-hmm. but but yeah that's something we've considered is is mixing say we did the nineteen ten and the twenty or the eighteen seventy and the twenty and mix it together because old forester would probably definitely be on the list mm-hmm. um and we did the so I I bought a barrel at Maker's Mark that'll be ready in six years um. Well, I didn't buy it. At, I got anyway. So I don't know that Maker's Mark blends with anything. So that's one of the things I've been doing is trying to take a little bit of Maker's Mark and mixing it with other stuff and see what mm-hmm. it tastes like. Um, but yeah, six or seven, six and a half years from now, we'll have a, a barrel of uh, Maker's Mark that'll be whiskey and whitetails, and we'll Maker's Mark is good because it's and it's weeded too. I'm a big fan right. of the weeded bourbons. Um, personally, in my opinion, I, I like the weeded more. Uh, just right now, coming into this year, it, there's a lot to choose from. Maker's Mark smells, spells it funny, too. <laughs> I'm not a huge Maker's fan. I'm just going to go and say it now. but um, I don't know that I, I am I, I do like, um, I don't drink it as a daily, but I do enjoy their uh, one-on-one that they did release last year um, as their limited series that they came out with. I don't know if y'all have tried that yet. I have not. No. Nah. It's pretty good. It's uh, it sits on the shelf for about thirty five bucks. What is it called? The Maker's One Hundred and One. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it everywhere. Mm-hmm. I haven't bought it. 
I have enough makers that I don't drink anyway. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of me. I only have like two makers bottles, so that would make sense. But yeah. um, so you did buy that one, the one hundred one. Yeah, you yeah, liked it. Mm-hmm. I'll bring it by here. It's pretty good. Um, but down to try it. Yeah, it's pretty good. So it's, to go from that to this is vastly. Is it? I'm about to. I'm about to do that in a second. So I made. So every episode we try to make uh, some kind of cocktail, and so. So for those that have been following along, our maple syrup old fashions that we've been promoting, we had a deal with Better Milk um, to bottle the maple syrup in the small bottles so that we could sell them, but they uh, kind of wanted to charge us like ten grand for it, so we didn't do it. That's a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't tell me that. Yeah, well, I've been saving it for the podcast, and so we were planning on. So they they have a Templeton's maple now you syrup know. that they age. It's burnt maple syrup, and they age it in bourbon barrels, and it's really good. And I have some in there if you want. If I can make you a cocktail mm. with it if you'd like. But we were going to try and get it in their small bottles, which are fifteen to twenty dollars online for their mm-hmm. small bottles, and uh, so that's what we were trying to get. And yeah, they were like, "Oh, that's special label." And I was like, all right, well, we went through the wholesale process anyway, so now we're wholesalers for them, and we can get any of their products um, at wholesale. And we include it in our um, smoking block kits now. We we have an add-on on Etsy for, I think it's $9. Like I said, they retail 15 to 20 so I think it's they're 10 bucks For $10, bucks, hmm. you get you can get the uh, number one barrel-aged old-fashioned maple syrup, which is where we get our smoking blocks from, the majority of them. Anyway... Um, so what this cocktail is, is we did the High West, the Western Oat, the clear whiskey. So it's, uh, I when I first saw it, I was like, oh man, it's a white dog High West. It's <laughs> not. This is actually, they do put this in a barrel and you could tell that it's slightly colorated. It's not straight off the still, but it's a oat whiskey. Um, but anyway, so that's what this is. It's a oat whiskey, two ounces, and then right under an ounce of the number one Bitter milk old fashioned syrup, which is a local Charleston company. But this actual bottle mm-hmm. of the old fashioned was aged in uh, Pappy Van Winkle barrels. They don't sell them. That's just a local thing that you can get. You gotta have a hookup. Gotta have a hook. You gotta know a guy. Hmm. So, say, so this this is put in barrels. The syrup. The, uh, no, no, no. The, the bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, the bourbon for like I don't know a day. It's probably more than a day. I would say it's still it's absolutely delightful. It's I love, under I love this. It's, it's really good. Yeah. It's a crazy flavor because we're used to drinking bourbon. This isn't bourbon. I would drink whiskey. this every day I go home from work. Isn't this really good? Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's one of the things that we we do is we mix stuff up, but I like buying stuff that no one else buys. And so when I see 30 bottles on a shelf and I'm like, yeah, 30 bucks, I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. And it's High West, which I like High West. Mm-hmm. And I've never had an oat whiskey, which you can make whiskey out of all kinds of grains. So that's so the sweetness in it is not necessarily the cocktail mixer. So if I make one of these with bourbon, you've had them before, Gus. Yep. They're not this sweet. This mm-hmm. oat is really sweet. Yeah, it's good. I'd like to see what happens when you put it in a barrel and let it sit. That's the reason I bought it. <laughs> I intend on... It's your little mini barrel? Yeah, well, that or we have all these... You have them in the garage, but we have mm-hmm. whiskey staves out the asshole and so, at the butthole. Asshole sounds really gross. Out the butthole. You're the one that said this was a children podcast, not yeah. me. It is for under 21. Now I have to click the explicit content. <laughs> Oops. One more click. <laughs> so we're thinking about doing some um, some aging bricks, I guess, but as one of the new products. What do you think? Would you buy aging, aging bricks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you guys are putting out right now looks really freaking badass, so I'm we're, all for it, man. We're both anal retentive. 
We're yeah, both very good word. We're both very anal. High expect we have high expectations of ourselves. Yeah. So when we make something, <laughs> it's it's usually going to be as nice as we can make it. Now yeah. I'm not saying every single time, but probably ninety nine point nine percent. You're going to get quality out of it. But yeah, because yeah. if when I'm wrapping stuff up, if I look at it, that's why there's a that's the reason that. When I just made these, I got like four smoke. Like I have a stack of smoke blocks over there. Those are ones I'll never <laughs> sell, and I'll give you one to take home. But this one I'll never sell because um, they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, they still work. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm just not going to give them to a customer. At, at, yeah. at my house, in my Makes garage, sense. I have a box full of one product or the other that I've worked on mm-hmm. and gotten. Some of them you would look at and go, "This is this is fine." But I, there's one thing I can see that brings me to not be able to put it. And sell it to somebody. I don't want to put it in somebody's hand. Well, like Makes tell sense. them about the uh, the flights. Like our flights are different from anyone else you buy flights from, and tell them why. Because of the levelness. Oh yeah. Well, a lot of people they move their they move the flights through a jig, and they they make the the flight flush with the bottom of the jig, mm-hmm. and, and the jig is curved. So what you end up with when that's done is places for your glasses that are at a slight angle. Yeah. And, um. And I, I, I made a jig and went through the process of making sure that that wasn't the case. So that when you set glasses on our flights, they all sit level. The fluid so it's level. all so it's all like flat. Yeah, right. It's all flat. flat. That's um, cool. I mean, as opposed to because we've looked at some others, um, and even the first ones we made. Yeah. You know, just trying to figure things out. You put the glasses on, and they're sitting at just enough of an angle that. The glass is tilted, and but the liquid is level because it's going to do liquid. Oh, going to do what liquid I mean, do. That, that's smart. Um, like even the Angels Envy one, we have mm-hmm. an Angels Envy flight from Angels Envy, and it's like hell of I, I have uh, I have one from Heaven Hill and one from I think my other one is Angels Envy, but yeah, it's it is curved. Yep. I mean, it's noticeable as hell when you're putting. Glenn Karen's down on it yeah. and they they do not line up. They're all crooked. Yep. Trying to take a picture of so, it and everything I mean, looks funny. I'm that's great. I mean, I think that's a great idea to lay it flat, let it f- sit at a level angle. I mean, that's right. So instead of bringing the that's curved, attention to detail, instead I mean, of bringing the curved stave up to the jig, I bring the jig down to, and what that means is that as I'm cutting with, with a router, mm-hmm. I, I have to measure the depth of that, whatever I want that hole at. It's, Whatever minimum depth I want, yeah. I have to do that on the deepest part, and then the uh, the the part that's higher up uh, is going to get more wood cut out of it. But then, like mm-hmm. I said, you have a nice even yeah. place to place the glass. And most people aren't doing that; they're just you know making their inserts for right. where the glens go. A lot of people are it. using a Forstner yeah. bit. Um, you bring that down, and the Forstner bit does a good, decent job, uh, yeah. but it leaves a hole in the middle of your 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 spot and. Mm-hmm. I, that hole just drove me crazy. I could not deal that's with it. I tried mass. patching it, and then that bothered me even more because it's different color than the rest of the, the that's, wood. That's what you get with mass production, though, you know? Yeah, it's true. So let's that's talk true. about um, one thing we like to do is is where you're at now, mm-hmm. like with Palmetto Bourbon, where you're at now, and where do you want to be, not necessarily tomorrow, not necessarily next week, but where do you where do you see yourself going with the page? Well... The the main thing I want to do with it is just really to connect with the community. It's not really about making money or doing anything else. It's just mainly about meeting good people, enjoying experiences with everyone. Um, and that's what I try to strive towards with the page is finding good people like y'all and other people who are willing to make that experience happen. Um, we're not here to make a dollar on some instances with, with my page and personally, you know. But um, 
yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just mainly for fun. Um, it's not my go-to, you know, for money, obviously, like I've said, but you know, it's just something to do for fun and meet new people outside of the community. And that's why I wanted to have you on here because what you're doing is exactly what we're doing. All the money that's made from whiskey and wine tails, we do not pay ourselves. We don't, mm. none of the money comes to us. It all goes into growing. But a lot of what it is, is trying to get into charity events and mm -hmm. work with people that don't necessarily drink that whiskey or for us, the big thing, whiskey and whitetail. So like these hunting lodges, hunting lodges. So hunters and whiskey drinkers are like the same person. Mm -hmm. They're just into different things. So when a new <laughs> hunter comes in, I'm like, oh, I'll give you my favorite spot in Francis Marion. I'll give yeah. you this. You need a stand to use. Do you, do you have a bow? Do you want to use my bow before you buy a bow? That's do you cool. need a rifle? Same thing with the whiskey community I've noticed is, oh, have you had this? Come try mm -hmm. this. Come try that. Let me, like, how many whiskeys have you tried tonight? Like, I'm the same person with whiskey as I am with whitetail, and Gus is the exact same way. And the reason that we wanted to kind of do this with you is because you're you're in it for the same reason. We're not in it to make money either. We don't pay ourselves on it. All the money goes into new product development, new mm -hmm. things. And then our ability, for instance, just the Glencairn glasses we were talking about, like our ability to get them cheaper at wholesale, now we can hook you up with them, and you're not paying crazy prices with it but but it, it's tw sorry i got distracted by that there's um <laughs> twin spires anyway um <laughs> i completely lost my train of thought it freaked me out with the eyes you see it i do sorry okay we're watching a horse racing <laughs> my bad there, when I, I, got, horse I got 20 on bucks TV. on number one <laughs> yeah on the tv there's horse racing on the tv and it says <laughs> twinspires.com and the eyes are like they look like spires, and I was like, "What's a spire?" And I was like, "Oh, it's the top of a church steeple." Anyway, <laughs> sorry. So yeah, the whole point of whiskey and whitetail is exactly what your point mm -hmm. with powder bourbon is, and it's and I would like to be able to grow together and continue stuff like this. And, yeah. and as we work, we're working with um, some condos downtown, and we're going to do blind taste tests and, and things like that, and kind of teach people about whiskey. But it'd be cool to bring you in on some of that and help us teach classes and teach kind of the stuff that you know mm -hmm. and some knowledge gaps, and uh, and that's. Like we, we wanted to invite you over here and have this podcast with you with like the beginning of a relationship, not just a one and done type yeah, of deal. Makes sense. Is that something you'd that's, because that's cool, man. I'm all while, for it. while we're focused on growing the business, you know, we're not paying ourselves right now. The end goal is to eventually get to a point where we can quit our day jobs, do this more full time mm -hmm. and still be able to take care of our families, but then do this kind of thing every day. Yeah. So it won't be local anymore. Makes like sense. someday we'll be able to pay ourselves to travel and go to different places and, and get to these hunting lodges. And, and we have multiple friends, like we have a Canadian friend that, that listens to the podcast and, mm -hmm. and is very active on our page. We'd love to go to Canada and meet some of his friends and teach them about whiskey. And, and that's kind of the, the products kind of help us get there. Yes. One day we will end up paying ourselves, but like right now we're trying to grow what is whiskey and whitetail. Yeah, for sure. But it's all about the community. It, mm -hmm. it has to be. That's the reason we got into it. That's the reason we have a podcast. Mm -hmm. If we were just trying to make money, we wouldn't have a podcast. We wouldn't have a YouTube page. We wouldn't be putting out quality content as opposed to like just the products, you know? Yeah, I do the same thing with my guys. I mean, the guys that are close to us in our groups. Um, I mean, like everybody, like I was talking about with the hats and, you know, different items that uh, I've let people have just through the community. Um, but a lot of that stuff, I'll say, hey, you know, I mean, you guys want to try a certain barrel. Let's just say, let's just say the cowboy, for example, you know, I'm just like, let's. Let's get a cowboy you know it's 200 bucks but you gotta if you want to buy a hat i'll contribute to that you yeah. know let's let's find ways to do this and um you know people that made purchases i said okay well 
I'll get you some samples of this. I mean, it may be some you never even have before. Yeah, you know, just, if you're if you're willing to do this, is that let's go. Let's people? go get a let's go get a bottle. Yeah, you go in on bottles and you split them. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. I I say you know I mean you're helping me get the support of the page. It's more of a community thing. You know, the money I make is like I was talking about. It's minimal. Yeah, but it's more of just you know if you guys want a certain bottle help me and I'll help you get it and let's, let's have some fun with this. You know, so it's all a, about fun. That's a good segue into how, how do you get like you get you? So was it two podcasts ago? We did the Yellowstone that mm-hmm. you picked. Yep. So how do we get, not, not we, but how, how did tell us the process of going about getting a so barrel? Pick. I will say up front that Yellowstone pick, um, I did not personally pick it. Um, but the guys, Tim Blair and Jim Danny Luff over the packy did. Um, I was just helping them kind of get it moving. I'm part of the Palmetto Bourbon Club, but I was unable to go to Kentucky with them and actually do the process. Okay. Um, but there is ways of getting into that door, obviously. One way being is to just get really well and, you know, friendly with a store owner, especially one like Jim. I mean, Jim will help pretty much anybody in the community acquire a barrel or even go on a trip if that's something that somebody's looking to do or acquire a barrel. That's, um, that's the owner of the Packy. The Packy. The Packy in, in Somerville. Yeah. Somerville, okay. That's right next, That's the one. Make sure we're talking about the same place. So you got South the Carolina one. Bourbon Club. You got guys like Nick Daniels, yeah. Jim Danny Loft, Kevin Dawson, all those guys. They travel to Kentucky probably two, three times a year. Okay. And they will do barrel picks for the groups. Yeah. Um, and that's how we end up acquiring them. So – Palmetto Bourbon Club got our pick from Jim. Okay. And that was the way that we were able to get one cool. and acquire it through him. So as a private club, like if we wanted to get a barrel pick, do we have to have a liquor license to then sell it? Uh, that I don't know. Um, a lot of it is, like I said, done through Jim's because he's the store owner. Sure. He's able to go to Kentucky, buy them, and then distribute them through his store. Okay. Um, but, you know, Jim makes the final call on that stuff. So if you go to Jim and Jim knows you well enough, you can just say, hey, Jim, I mean, we're looking at possibly doing something for a group or for a charity or whatever the case may be. And if you know somebody who's willing to help you out with that, they'd be more than happy to contribute any way they can, whether you buy the barrel from them directly from, you know, the packy or any other place in general. Um, and you could and you could be part of that experience in Kentucky if they're willing to take you. And that, and that would be, that was my next question is if we wanted to do something because we have a charity coming up and I know it's not as quick turnaround as this, but mm-hmm. maybe next year we have a charity coming up in April that I would love. And the, the charity, so like charities have a different liquor license law than, mm-hmm. than regular people do. So if you're not a liquor store owner, distributor or a brand um, ambassador, mm-hmm. you can't really do tastings that you charge people money for because South Carolina law sees it as you selling whiskey. Correct. However, charities have the ability to do it through a special license that only charities can get. Mm -hmm. And as we've discussed, a lot of charities we work with have that license. So I would love to talk with them. Okay. If that's something maybe you could set up and and we'd be able to sit down with them and be like, Hey, this is a charity event. And so they will go for more than retail, obviously, because at charity events, something's cheap. And, um, I know that our th- our third business partner would be all in on it because it's a it's a veteran charity and there's a lot of people that drink whiskey and he has the permit that we need to sell it. Mm-hmm. 
but that would be awesome to be able to go with them to Kentucky and and, and kind of do the tasting, document the whole thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything we do is film. We want to film everything. Film the whole just, thing and put a, a short documentary almost. We make together. a commercial for Packies yeah. if they want. And J- Jim would be absolutely thrilled to do that. Um, Jim's a great guy. He is actually a veteran himself. Um, What's he look like? Just random question. <sighs> looks looks like you basically. Is he a little? Is he taller than me? A little bit? Probably. Yeah. Um, He's bald. Got a fucking phenomenal beard. Yeah. He's so, a cool dude. So I, I've had one conversation with him. It was very short. Um, I live up in Somerville, like um, two miles from. So you're not from far from store. me. And um, everybody calls it Packies, mm-hmm. but the name of the store is actually something else. Yeah. Um, so I was like, he would say, "Hey, go go to Packies," and I'm like. It's the same place. Like, I wasn't sure. If it was yeah, I was telling same. him to go to Packies because you said yeah. Packies. I didn't know. That. What's the actual name of the store? <laughs> it's it's the Packies. It's the Packley Bottling. I think it's Packy Bottling, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's something like that. The the, the Packy Bottle and something. I'm gonna, I'm messing it all up. But the first time I ever went in there, I actually bought uh, the Evan Williams mm-hmm. uh, single barrel um, on the way out to the Hunt Club that night that we met, and it ended up being like. It's supposed to be just you and I. Packing and, wine and spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you and I, go ahead. No, you're good. I've, I've only known Jim for a short amount of time, but okay. I can honestly say just, I, I say a short amount of time. It's been probably two years, but the, he is so personable with everybody that walks in. And that's yeah. why I mainly go to him. He doesn't only just help the community, but you can walk into a store at nine o'clock in the morning. And Jim, if Jim's there, he's like, hey, let's have a drink. You know, what do you want? I got this. I got this. <laughs> yeah. You want to try something different? And there'll be something on his shelf that he'll personally pull down and say, let's drink this. Maybe you don't want to buy it. Let's let's make sure you want this. Yeah. I love that, man. And that's, he's very personable people. That's um, great. But that is his passion. Yeah. Um. So he, as far as the whiskey community, he's very involved with restaurants, obviously, as well. But sure. um, just the overall personality of him and helping the community, he is top notch. Yeah. Yep. The one conversation I had with him was, uh, I, I got that feeling. I've I've been back a few times since then. There's been some other folks working the front. And I haven't seen him specifically, mm-hmm. but uh, it is by far the best whiskey selection in my in our part of town. Oh, yeah. Or my, you know, I'm not sure where. You, I I usually exactly. just go to I usually just go to him only to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> just... um, there's one other liquor store that's a little bit closer. Um, mm-hmm. I only go there if there's something that I need bills fairly quick and it's it's really quick it's really yeah. short it's um no it's the corner store it's called the corner store over mm-hmm. by uh by lowe's food off of dorchester okay. not not lowe's um harris teeter yeah packies is the one that's no, by packies is by lowe's. lowe's yeah 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 so yeah good i know stuff. i mean the good thing that jim does is even if you have private groups that he does picks for all the time a lot of the times he'll still allow people to have access to those particular private picks so okay. he'll donate or not donate, I should say, but sell X amount of bottles for the group page. And then after he's done with that, he'll say, Hey, you know, I still have some, I'll put it in the store and he'll let people know exactly when they hit the shelves, just yeah. in case somebody didn't get a presale. Sure. And I'll say, you know, here you go. And like I said, if you don't want, if, well, you don't know if you want it or not until you taste it, but a lot of people just go for stuff anyways, cause they look good at this point. But, <laughs> um, you know, he'll say, Hey, you know, you're here. Let's have a good experience. Let's sit down. Let's appreciate good whiskey. Enjoy it. And if you don't, if you don't like it, don't get it. You know, that's just that's the way stores should be, in my opinion. Yeah, it's awesome. I need yeah. to meet this man. <laughs> and especially with the way allocations cost nowadays here. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like our selection on the island here is is not. Uh, 
all the owners here, I, I complain about them all the time. I don't want to call anyone out in specific, mm-hmm. but that all of them are terrible. <laughs> so a lot of my good luck is, is in North Charleston, honestly with you. Yeah, I can agree with that too. Um, it just all depends. Like I tell people all the time, it's getting new in the whiskey. It's like, it's not, you got to really get friendly with store owners and me, like treat them right, you know? You've perfected the pitch. So when you go in and they go, what are you looking for? What do you say? Usually I just say, you know, I'm, I usually just get, middle of the road stuff from them and you know it's it's or for my customers like for the building industry if my customers like a certain scotch or wine or whatever i'll just support them and say hey you know i'll pay for crown royal peach or whatever the crap that's on the shelf right now and say my guys love this stuff yeah and i'll buy a couple for them just to support them yeah i use uh, uh, bourbon as a gift a lot especially for paying for services like yeah so it's if someone's just, coming to work in the house or something. But if you at least dedicate yourself to them and say, "Hey, I'm I'm not here just to get an allocated bottle from you and leave and not come back for three to four months. I'm here to actually like support you and say, "Hey, I give a shit about what you do on a daily basis." Then usually you'll get good allocations from them. Or right, you know, you tell them picks. that right up front. Like when you walk in, if they don't know you, they're like, "What can I help you with today?" You tell them I right mean, up front. It depends. I mean, I feel for a lot of things around here. I mean. You know, I'm not trying to bad mouth Charleston, but a lot of people try to price gouge stuff in this area just because bad. it's not regulated. It's bad. Um, yeah. Oh, we've definitely seen it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there is a bad case of that and you just kind of got to feel it out. You know, when you walk into a store, I usually don't even talk to the person behind the counter. I usually just walk around and kind of search and see what they have. And you can usually tell off the bat, oh, well, they got, let's just not even say Buffalo Trace. Let's just say a Heaven Hill product. And they got it on the shelf, and it's twenty to thirty dollars over retail. And you're just like, well, is it even worth talking to them at that point? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it even worth going to somebody and saying, hey, you know that bottle's forty dollars, but you got it at seventy five? There's a fine, there's a fine line between, you know, markup, mm-hmm. you know, to to make up for business cost and trying tr- yeah. trying to run a business. Because a lot of those people too, they end up buying a shit ton of stuff that they don't even sell because yeah. of the holidays or whatever right. and their dealer is just like hey you know this is this is the holiday special right but in order to get these bottles you have to buy x amount of whatever the case may be sure they got to make up that cost somehow yep. so that's an understandable being you know that's understandable at that point but you know I mean, one, one thing i've learned is fireball if they have a <clears throat> excuse me if they have a fireball sign <laughs> in the window if they have a fireball sign in the window, they're probably going to have a good bourbon selection. And the reason why is because Fireball, as you know, is owned by Sazerac. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the allocations come from their how, who makes them the most money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Fireball costs them nothing to make. Well, you'll see it all the time. I mean, there's just tubs of Fireball sitting in stores. And that's why. Because if they buy a lot of Fireball, mm-hmm. Sazerac will give them a bigger allocation limit. Yeah. So I, we, I have a liquor store that I keep kind of secret and i'll tell you where it's at but okay. it's a it's in the, like it's like a hole in the wall next to like a shitty bar and like no one goes there there's a piggly wiggly in the in the uh, shop at center <laughs> and like, if you go in there i already know it but i'm not gonna say there's, it. yeah so they have fireball stacked to the ceiling in the back wall it's everywhere like if you look through the back door there's fireball are everywhere but they usually have a pretty good bourbon selection that's where yeah. i found the midwinters that's where i found i found a lot of stuff there uh, but my pitch is always I'll go in and I'll just look and I always look twice. So I'll mm-hmm. go through the rack and then I'll turn around and I go back. And typically someone will ask me like, what are you looking for? <laughs> and so I, this is what I say. I was like, I'm looking for your store picks. I want to see what you picked. Yeah. Like, do you have any store picks? And typically almost 90% of the time they'll go, ah, oh, man, not right now. Not right yeah. now. And, and they're like, most people come in and they want this. And I was like, look, I don't care about off. Blanton's. 
I don't care about blah, blah, blah. You know, I just say big names. Mm. I was like, I want to see what you like. Yeah. Stuff that you bought. And that usually gets them all fired up and they remember me. And then I give them like a little personal story and, and maybe talk about the veteran charities we work with. And, and makes just kind of like pitch stuff to them. And so now it's to the point that when I walk in, they're like, oh, I was hoping you'd come back. Here's what I, here's what I stuck under the counter for you. And, and that's how a lot of, I get a lot of the stuff that I get is because yeah. I, I don't go in there because they get so mad. They said people will walk. I've heard horror stories where they just mm-hmm. walk in and they go, you got Blanton's? And they're yeah. like, no. And they go, <sighs> and it's trying to walk out or you, or you got that or you got luck. that guy that's got like like we were talking about with a bunch of fireballs sitting around and then you look behind the counter and he's got x bottle at six hundred dollars yeah four hundred dollar uh yeah ten years happy and then what you was tr- that what was that what was that? i told you the uh I don't, I don't know the name of the store it's up off on dorchester uh where the corner of dorchester and actually phosphate next to the uh the Publix there uh, i know what you're talking about yeah they had a bottle of uh they had uh, a bottle of stag and a bottle of the Pappy 12 year. The Stag was the Stag Junior? Was it? No, it was not Stag Junior. It oh. was the. Uh, the oh, the, I don't like the regular Stag. The regular I, saw, stag. I saw their Stag Junior at 130 there because I work right down the street from at that At 130? Place. Yeah. Dude, they had it behind the counter for $700. She told me. <laughs> I was going to say 130. I could see and someone she, buying it. And at she, told me, she told me that the Pappy, um, it was the 12 year, I yeah. think, was like four. Well, the, fifty or four. The problem is, I mean, like we talked about with secondary a while ago, is just like people sometimes don't even care at that point. They're like, "Oh, I'll find this, you know, once a year, or I won't find it at all." So they're just willing to pay it, and it's just like that's the problem already. Especially here, living here, yeah. Where there's a lot of money here, right? Oh well, yeah, we got a lot of people moving here that are my my issue with yeah. that is that I can I can spend okay, fine. I maybe I maybe I never have the opportunity to buy this bottle ever again. Yeah. Spend seven hundred dollars on it. For seven hundred dollars though, I could buy seven other like thirty cases of that or Evan Williams eight, yeah. bottle and eight or nine other really solid whiskeys yeah. and enjoy for a long time and then still be able to buy those bottles again. So it, it, I don't know. Like yeah, I, I, don't I understand. I guess for some people who like to to collect those things, just to mm-hmm. say they have them. But I like to have whiskey to drink it. There's very few. Same. There's very few scenarios in my head where I can picture myself having a bottle of whiskey and not opening it to drink it. Yeah. Even if it's only rarely or for certain occasions. So if I'm going to spend money, it's going to be something I want to drink. Yeah. And I'd rather spend seven or eight hundred dollars or whatever that is over multiple types of whiskeys in different bottles mm-hmm. instead of just one. And that's one thing we said in that group chat that you started, um, that oh, yeah. all of us in there are drinking what we're buying. I, like, I only have that one bottle, that Macallan 17, that I'll never drink. Not Mainly mm-hmm. because I, I just I know I won't appreciate it, and somebody else will, and, and five years from now it'll be worth probably two grand. So, <laughs> I mean, it's $1,000 right now on, on Drizzly or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I will say I did get greedy one time, so... There's been two instances where I have kind of been greedy with it, and I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm pretty straight shooter here, but I mean, I I found a Pappy Twelve for uh, three fifty on the shelf here, and I flipped it because I saw it people what people were paying, and it was it was atrocious. I mean, six hundred and fifty bucks, and I was just <laughs> like, that's easy. Yeah, and I knew I wasn't gonna open it. I mean, I I, I fell in love with the old Fitz lineup from Evan Hill, and I. I was like, I'm never going to open this pappy. And I felt like a terrible person, but hey, capitalism, screw it, right? So right. I was just like, you yeah. know, 
you want it for 600 and they were like well we'll do 550 and i said well 575 deal the guy didn't even hesitate i was just like that's the problem right that guy that guy doesn't even care he's just gonna pay it and then uh rip van winkle 13 year rye i mean there was one on the shelf near me for 600 bucks and then a guy i didn't go get it i told somebody about it and I saw the guy flip it for thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks. That I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, and Jeez. and people just pay it, and it's just like, why? I think you our know, market why? might be finding rich people that will pay that yeah. money, and then we'll go buy, we'll go pay secondary and sell it to them for. Everybody in this room has enough common sense to not pay that much, obviously. But like, there's no way. It's just like, why? There's you no know? way. That's why I don't need pappy bottles in here. I just. I've, I've I don't had even it think Pappy's times. worth it. I don't I mean, either, man. I'm in the same boat. It's yeah. a name. You're paying for a name. It's like, yeah. like for instance, Lamborghini is one of the biggest pieces of shit on this planet. <laughs> but people will buy them. Yeah. You know, that's why you don't see used Lamborghinis for sale because they just, most of them are in terrible shape and they break and people just leave them in their garage and they don't go anywhere. And that's one thing about Pappy is I've had Pappy. I've had all the Pappies. Mm-hmm. There's not a single one of them that I'd pay $1,000 for. Not it, one. It comes to a point where you're just like, all right. I need something that I know is good, and what's the drinkability on this bottle? If it's yeah. something that I you don't see myself yeah. drinking often. You know what's funny is that most people that I've had conversations with, and, and it comes down to, all right, man, so like, pick your pick your one bourbon that you could drink every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. If you had to pick one, and that was it forever, most of them are under 60 bucks. Almost all of them. Yeah. Well, the other, my so cigar cowboy shout out to him. So he he said this like I don't know three days ago in a post, and uh, I can't remember what he. I don't remember if it's expensive or cheap, but he was like, no matter what I'm drinking, the end result is always the same. Mm-hmm. And and it's like that's true. I think about that. I mean, he just said it the other day, but it's been a thought in my mind forever. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if I'm drinking sixteen dollar bottle of Evan Williams mm-hmm. or I'm drinking a hundred thirty dollar bottle of Midwinter Midwinter Nice Dream. It doesn't matter. The mouth palate. This one thing about blind taste tests, it's it's a magic show. So like, what I'm doing is I'm tricking you. So yeah. I give you things. That's why the third one you did was I, I that just, Evan Williams. I got embarrassed. Well, the third but, one, but you it was did, a good embarrassment though. Well, it's I'm a, a magic Hill nut. I gave yeah. you a first one. I gave you Blanton's, and it's like obviously people like Blanton's. The second one, I gave you that chestnut farm, which I most people haven't yeah. had, but it's really good. The third one, always, and that was an old trick back in the day when people used to sell bourbon. Is the third one you tried was your favorite. And mm-hmm. it's because of your mouth. It's science. It's not anything else. So the third one, we always our third one is almost always, and I won't do it again to you because <laughs> you've done it. So like the next time, I'll change it up. Yeah. But if it's someone that I've never done a blind taste test to, the third one is going to be the cheapest one I got. Yeah. Every single time, it gets high ratings. You you said that that was the most expensive bourbon on the on the flight, and it was the cheapest it, by far. It was crazy because like when I had it, I don't know if it was just because I was going back and forth so much, but it's exactly um, what it was. Your I, palate I, changed. I, I hinted a lot of oakiness on it, yes. and I thought that's what it was. It was no finish, just straight oak, and I was yep. like, you know, that's it. And then after we kind of settled down and talked about it, I went back to it, and I was like, there's so much ethanol in there. Yeah, and you can tell it's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it's it's a trick. It's a trick. It's all mm-hmm. a trick. And that's the reason that I do these blind taste tests, because I think it's fun to trick people. It's just, it's fun. I'm not making fun of you. There's no, no. like, expense here. I'm it's fine just, with being making fun of. Honestly. But that's not well. what I'm doing. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to prove a point. And, like, in but this dri- video. Yeah. It drives a point home. Yeah. yeah. And in this video, that's the point of this video is that there's a science to this. So when you, when someone wants you to like something, they're usually going to make it the third one because that's the science behind it. Yeah. But for me to drink that Evan Williams, because I had it straight out the bottle just as soon as I popped it, I tasted it. I had to know. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for me to drink that for 16 I paid $16 for that yeah. bottle. 
if you think for a second I'd pay three or four hundred dollars for anything else, it's just not going to happen because no. I know four drams of Evan Williams and four drams of Pappy. I'm going to feel the same way. Yeah. Just whether like, or not I like my your mouth point. Is, I mean, obviously yeah. the tastes and everything, the profiles are going to be different, but yes. the end result, we're all going to feel the same way. Yes. I mean, so if you truly agree. are a bourbon connoisseur, which you know, as people that drink a lot of bourbon, I don't yeah. think any of us would bestow ourselves a label like that. No. But if you were and you were trying to show off, Pappy is probably you're in your market. Mm-hmm. But like for me, for Gus, for obviously for you as well, it's just it's just not going to happen. I don't no. mind spending two hundred dollars on something like the Cowboy I, Bourbon. I I nah. will say if I had to pick just something like let's just say I had to pick two bottles to live with for the rest of my life, uh, I will say this till the day I die at this point probably, but. Larceny barrel proofs and the old Fitzgerald 14 and 15s. Dude, just I'll, I'll let you try it when I come back. But the best bourbon I've ever tasted. And a, and they're both weeded. They're just, they're just phenomenal picks. I want to try that 14. But that Larceny barrel proof I have, I don't know that I've had a bourbon better than that. That Larceny, is it a 121? One, one? Is it a new one? Yeah, the new one. It is fantastic. I tried it the other night. Yeah, I tried it the other night and fell in love with it. it is and so and good. I was I was glad that they proofed it down. I, I, I was talking to all my buddies about it. I was like, everybody's on this barrel proof train. They want the higher proof stuff. And I'm all for that. But like, you can proof that down to 114 and it yep. tastes that good. That's awesome. And it's, it's, so and it's 55 bucks. I mean, yeah. And it's but, everywhere. I see it. Well, I don't see it everywhere, but I see it more frequently than most things. Yeah. Have you had the, so the next, the only other thing on my list right now is the Jack Daniels barrel proof rye the barrel proof special reserve ryes yes are fantastic it's on my list yeah and that's i, I would pay probably a 100 bucks for that if i think i would it. too yeah i've having a hard time finding it the, i've been asking i've been getting on a rye train lately and that was definitely one that topped my list in a blind it was delicious so luckily our following isn't big enough that you're going to ruin why you're on a rye tasting but i'm with you on the rye tell tell the people why you're doing rye. well i'm doing rye now because uh, just mainly because of the cost of bourbon lately. Um, it's getting pretty atrocious where I live and, you know, a lot of the allocated bottles you cannot find anymore. There's a lot of good rye companies out there making good rye whiskey. Um, you know, rye, for example, RY3, great company out of California, making some really good picks. Um, and then you also have a lot of stuff like I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, the Elijah Craig rye is great too. $28 to $30 bottle. But what I've noticed is Sazerac rye is now $50, $60. It's become allocated, which was originally one of the cheapest The, the smaller ones? Yeah. Hmm. The baby rye. The baby rye, it depends. It, like I said, it all it all varies on where you go. I, I got two of them the other day for about 38 bucks. So well, that's a good deal. Yeah, I, I like them. Um, I can see people. That's the beginning, though, I think. You know how bourbon three years ago wasn't that big of a deal? Yeah, I was now ready to say. That's, I, that baby rye, that baby rye is yeah. the first step of rye being expensive. Mm-hmm. Mark my words. But that, um, man, there's some good, there's just good, like, I would say smaller distilleries out there that are just starting to get into the game. Yes. 2020 was a huge year for local and just the market for rye and bourbons. I, I, there was more different variations in bourbon I've tasted throughout my lifetime in 2020 than I have in the prior years, just because there was <laughs> so much variety out yeah. there. The bourbon boom just went off and everybody was like, I'm going to make something, whether it's four years old or, you know, 28 years old you know whatever the case may be they're like we're just gonna throw it on the shelf and see if it sticks i think people are just like there you go if it if it sticks it sticks if it doesn't then we're not gonna make it and then they went back to making vodkas and rice and 
<clears throat> I just think there's a lot out there. So yeah. let, me pit, let me pitch something to you that just came to me organically. I didn't have actually have a pre-thought on this, but so we have a Kentucky bourbon trail, Texas bourbon trail. Yeah. Let's start a South Carolina, let you start a South Carolina bourbon trail <laughs> okay. and we'll help you. We'll help you do it and we'll do it veteran funded where all the money that goes towards like the people that come for the bourbon trail. Cause South Carolina is, I've been told more than, I don't know if it's true, got, but I've been told you got more high than wire. Once. You got, well, I've been told yeah. it's the new Kentucky bourbon. Like, cause there's so many bourbon distilleries here. Like, mm-hmm. um, what's the pig well, one? The good uh, thing, the good what, thing with what Charleston's pig. doing. Whistle? No, not whistle. No, <laughs> whistle's one Canadian. Here. Yeah. The, the one that's here. Um, I don't know. Something pig distillery. I don't know. I'd have to I look that up. The, Is it in North Charleston? Yeah. I think I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, it's a veteran-owned company. Well, now, so they sold it to this girl that, like, she's unpersonable. Like, I've, the guy that owned it and started it, he's a well, good dude. I, but I, that woman drives me Okay, nuts. yeah, I do remember this company. And I will say, I'm not trying to bash them, but the first ball they made, I was like, ugh. Yeah, but, um, I mean, it was, I still Which drink it. common. Yeah, I mean, you're bottle. starting out on your, you know, it's, it a, out, it's right? a startup. Um, yeah. But we have the Palmetto... Um, dispensary or distillery and then yeah. high wire and then there's one in john's island you got charleston to. distillery you got high wire um ashley just looked up strip pig distillery yeah stripe pig there that's is. what yep. it is so there i think that we could start a south carolina bourbon trail yeah. and i think that you should start it and you will you can leverage us and we'll help you make the contact because we know a lot of these people the, the stuff from like virgil canes and you know high wire distillery uh a little bit of charleston distillery stuff coming out there but high wire just locally high wire is killing it right now yeah, they are and i think a lot of it is so when i talk about that third whiskey that i usually interject mm-hmm. when i do these tastings at like public events when we go to things like that i always use a local bourbon for it and I don't tell them that I tricked them. I just tell them, like, see, you're looking at Kentucky yeah. stuff when you can get this great stuff locally. And I haven't monetized on that and called these distillers and be like, hey, by the way, you're the third one in my science experiment, which is something that we're going to start doing. But I think that there's real potential for a uh, Charles or South Carolina bourbon trail. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it's something that we should start. The good real. thing is things are locally, too. It's not like yeah. it's, you know, far They're away. all right here. Mm-hmm. There's, there's one outside Within of Anderson. 10, 15 minutes from yep. each other. The only one that isn't here is the one is the Charles or South Carolina distillery, whatever the Palmetto distillery. Is that what it's called? I think so. That's that one's up like north towards our third business partner where he lives. But yeah, that's way up there. But even if we just, just us three decided to go and tour these distilleries, I can set that up too, where we come in and film, be like, Hey, we're doing a documentary on South Carolina. Have y'all tried the, uh, I don't know if y'all have or not, but there's a Virgil Cane's, uh, ribbon rail ride that just came out and they contributed with revelry brewing company. Oh. It's freaking phenomenal. Is, is it? it? It's a little expensive, but it's so good. And so we've talked to the Reverly people. Um, that would yeah. be easy. They did a collaboration. It is one of the best rides I've had in a while. Um, let's check it out. <laughs> so yeah. that noise. Sorry. I don't know if the mics even I don't even know if, they can, if the, if the mics can pick it up, but yeah, we it's funny. It. If the mics pick it up, it's we have a cat that lives in a cabinet, and it takes her a while to figure out how to open the cabinet. Sorry. She lives in a cabinet by choice. Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, but yeah, so um, we're at an hour, but I want to do some hunting. Okay, let's do well. it. So, what do you hunt? So it's been a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's been a little while. But I grew up. Um, you know, I was a kid that just hunted deer, duck, dove, turkeys. I grew up in that atmosphere. Man, my dad just we went out, we hunted all year long, and went throughout the seasons. Uh, and I'm big really on duck and dove 
uh, most of the year. I haven't done a lot of whitetail hunting in a while, and I haven't done turkey hunting probably in about three years. I will I will tell a funny story since we're on this. I was I was turkey hunting. I'd stayed up the night before, like I was just having one of those days. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on this oak tree, man. And my dad's calling and he's on the other side of me and I just I'm just I'm passed out. And this gobbler got between me and the decoys about ten yards. And I heard that thing cackle. I parked up and I was like, oh shit. And that thing's beating on the decoy and my dad's looking over at me. I can see him in the woods and he's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I'm just like froze because I can't do anything yeah. at that point. I'm just like, he's 10 yards away from me. If I move, he's going to run. And uh, I was like, hell, this is my only opportunity. So I tried and uh, it started just darting across this field. And my dad, I could just see him. He was so disappointed in me because I was sleeping. <laughs> he gets up and he goes behind the oak tree and he's like, he just knocks it down in the field. Nice. Oh, nice. And uh, he's like, that could have been you. I'm like, ah, I was sleeping. You know, I got comfy. <laughs> but we've all been there, man. Yeah. I mean, you get in a comfy spot, and that's it. But um, I woke up many times, and there's a deer standing in front of me. Yeah. Going, ah. I'm a huge fan. Like, I, I grew up clay, uh, clay pigeon shooting a lot, and um, we call it skeet shooting down here in South Carolina. But uh, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up doing that a ton. I'm a very good skeet shooting shooter. Um, I did that a lot growing up. I did a lot of, um, events doing that. Um, so a lot of duck hunting and dove hunting is usually what I tend to do if I can, if I have the time to do it. Um, one is either if I can wake up, I'm pretty bad about waking up in the morning. I'm sure you guys aren't, but oh no, we're pretty bad about it. (laughs) I'm like, I got to get my coffee and it's just like the bed is so comfy. It's so hard to get up sometimes. But, um, yeah, I've had, my dad gave me a Browning gold shotgun when I was a teenager and he's like, this is yours, take care of it. Um, and that's what I've done. And we always went out and shot ducks or dove usually throughout the year. Um, just to get out. Cause I really didn't deer hunting was hard for me because it fell. I played baseball. I played college ball and everything. Um, yeah, same season. Yeah. So it was really tough for me to do that and deer hunt at the same time. Yeah. Um, but during the winter break, obviously we weren't playing baseball. Sure. So we had a break period, and that's when I did a lot of duck hunting and dove hunting throughout the seasons. Okay. Would you be interested in a quail hunt? We have a friend, Gunrise Farms, that uh, he's in Columbia, and he's got a uh, quail farm, and sometimes we go up there and do some filming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you be interested in going on something Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. That'd be, yeah, fun. be fun. And we usually stay the night. He's got a little guest house, and yeah. uh, we stay the night and drink. You got, uh, you got any dogs? Oh, yeah. yeah he's got yeah, dogs. Yeah, he's got dogs. He brings... Uh, uh, Palmetto uh, Upland, yep. I think. Yeah. Palmetto Palm- Upland. Palmetto Upland um, runs the dogs for him. I'm, I was curious, because I wonder... Um, we got a, I say, I say we, my dad, um, my, I had an English yellow lab, one of the best duck dogs ever had. And we all say that about our dogs, obviously. Sure. But I mean, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> he had, um, my dog, unfortunately had Lyme's disease. He was oh, just no. one of the rare cases that got it and he kind of fell off the table and, uh, but he still has that passion to go. So yeah. he's, he's now 11. Um, but my dad got a new stud. Um, instead of an English, you got an American chocolate. Okay. Or is it a black? It's a black, black lab. This thing is absolutely money. Like he, I watched him the other day swim probably 50, 60 yards twice to go get ducks. Wow. So he, that dog has a passion for just retrieving. You should go with us next year, uh, at our local, at our hunt club here. We have that, um, 
there's a spot that we don't really hunt because it's really deep mm-hmm. and our waders can't do it. We'd, we'd need a dog. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool to go with the dog. Yeah. Yeah. I'd ask my dad. That'd be cool. What's uh what's one of y'all's favorite comedy hunting stories? You got any? Oh, Besides man. falling off tailgates of trucks as kids. Comedian. <laughs> um, man, it's got a lot of funny hunting stories. <laughs> Well, I'll tell one while you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was uh, whitetail hunting. It was shotgun only. It was in Virginia. And um, I was hunting with a Navy veteran. This before I joined the military. Yeah. So uh, I was revered this guy as like a badass, you know, because he was, I didn't know anything about the arms or, you know, not talk shit about the Navy, but the arms yeah. are better. Go R&B Navy. But uh, I agree. He <laughs> um, he was a Navy veteran and little did I know that he just like sat on a ship and never saw combat or any of that. Yeah. Not that I'm discounting anything. I'm just telling the story. So we were out duck uh, deer hunt shotgun only and so we had found this bedding area and we knew they were going to come back so we laid down and um granted i was young right so i didn't know that there was a season for anything i knew mm. deer season but like i thought anything else like <laughs> squirrels turkey whatever you it's, shoot it's it game on <laughs> yeah had no clue so i'm sitting there and i'm um, laid up against a tree and this navy guy he's probably 150 yards from me mm-hmm. sitting up next to a tree and so I'm sitting there and these turkeys come in they fly in and they land and uh, it's like early in the morning so they're coming out of roost. And so they walk right up to him. I'm, we're talking 10 feet mm. and I'm sitting there looking at him like, is he going to shoot this turkey or not? Because, you know, we hadn't seen anything. This is our second day and we hadn't seen anything. And so I'm sitting there watching and, and I see like he's holding the, the shotgun like mm-hmm. he's going to shoot. So I'm sitting there watching him like this dude's really just going to watch him walk right by. So this turkey <laughs> walks up and grabs his shoelace. <laughs> What? <laughs> and it's scary he was asleep so it woke him up yeah. and when he woke up he like jarred to it or whatever and the turkey start taking off and so they start running to me and i'm like i'm gonna shoot one and um i didn't end up shooting it but um the funny part of the story is the night before we had drank a ton okay <laughs> like a ton yeah. so we were both not feeling good that's always a good start to the day so when this turkey grabbed his shoelace and it startled him and he jumped up like he he woke too <laughs> he was sick started vomiting violently oh, all no. over himself all over the shotgun everything was just puke 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 and the whole time these turkeys are like watching him like i was we were like the turkeys and i were yeah. watching this dude puke sitting up next to a tree and um I think about that a lot when it's like, I've never been that drunk where the next morning I'm puking all over my shotgun. But so it's like something that I've gauged towards. Like maybe one day yeah. we'll get there. I don't know that. <laughs> like Gus has seen me pretty drunk night for a hunt. I don't know that I've ever been drunk enough It'd to be like the worst morning ever. You yeah. just throw up all over yourself. Well, I mean, we probably walked a mile and a half into where we were sitting too. Yeah. So. That's, <laughs> a bad, yeah. that's a bad time. Well, how no. about, I want to know your, have you ever killed a buck? Yeah. Yeah, um, I want to know your first buck story. So my first actual buck story. This is this is y'all will enjoy this one. I was sleeping again. Um, <laughs> Call sleepy palmetto bourbon, dude. I love sleeping. <laughs> my wife will tell you that. But um, yeah. So I was there's a power line behind my family's house, and it's about forty yards wide. Um, we set a little ground blind up, and we put some corn out. Uh, this is up in obviously Frank's Marion Woods area. And uh, we just started getting good trail cam photos of bucks. I mean, anywhere between eight, eight point six points, button bucks, you name it. Um, so I was just like, he's like, you need to go, you need to go. And I was like, you know, I was like, I was like ten years old. You know, I was watching TV, watching cartoons or something. I was like, Dad, I don't really want to go. I'm watching cartoons, and he's like, No, you got to go. So he drops me off, and it was like well, probably five o'clock. I just got home from school, and I sit in this blind and. 
first thing I do, I get comfy and I go to sleep. So I got my gun sitting on me and I'm sleeping. And uh, I just randomly wake up and I look up at the stand and about 10 yards from me is a nice six point. And I'm shaking like crazy. I'm like, oh God, oh God. <laughs> so, and of course the stand's right down from the house. So my dad was listening out for a gunshot. Of course I shoot this thing. And it runs, and I'm just, like, screaming and hollering. I'm so excited. I hear my dad. He's running. You know, he's running on that. I think he was running. He was riding a four-wheeler, actually. But I hear his four-wheeler start up, and he's driving back there. We go and find this thing, and I'm just, like, all hysterical. I shot a pretty nice six-point. But that was the first deer I actually had, and it was right in the backyard of our house. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was an experience. Like, I, I tell my dad all the time. There was – I'll tell another funny story since we're talking about it. There was a time where – I think I was probably nine or 10 years old. Same kind of scenario. I got home from school and didn't want to go. And my dad's like, we got this nice six point on the trail cam. You need to go back there. I'm like, dad, I don't want to go. I'm watching SpongeBob SquarePants or something. You know, I'm watching something on TV, right? (laughs) I'm eating some good dinner. I'm like, dad, I don't want to go. My dad's like, all right, you know, whatever. He rides back there. What in 20, 30 minutes? I hear I hear it plain as day in the front room watching SpongeBob. He comes back with this big old six or eight point buck, and he's like, "This is what you could have had tonight." And I was so pissed. What'd you learn? <laughs> I was like, "Damn, can't kill from the couch." Yeah, yeah, I learned that pretty quick at a yeah. young age. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I am—I don't know what it is with me, man. It's just—it's something about tree stands or sitting in the ground blind. And I wear harnesses and stuff when I go, but it's just like I get in this like comfy position. Yeah. And I bow hunt a lot. That's usually what I like to do on a deer hunt. Yeah, um, we're bow hunters. Yeah, Map. I love bow hunting. I, I've, got, city, I've gotten to a point. I mean, we got a 30 out six that I shoot. Um, old old Remington. Yeah, Remington 700. The older models before they started making the newer ones. Um, but yeah, I just, I kind of was like, you know, rifle hunting's, it wasn't really my thing anymore. So I started shooting bow. Yep. And, um, man, there's so much trial and error with that. You, you, you think it's like all easy peasy. Whew. It's a whole different experience. And sure. I tell people all the time, I'm like, you need to go bow hunt. And they're like, just, you know, it's easy to kill a deer with a gun. And I'm like, well, just, just, it's the experience that matters here. I said, you think, I said, you go kill a deer on your first try with a bow. And you tell me if you can do yeah. it. If you, if you say you can do it, I dare you to go try it because you can't. I missed like three deer in a row because you get so You're nervous. so shaky. And, and it, and, and it's hard to judge shots. Like yeah. I, I had a stand and. I I physically had to go down and mark it with different tapes just to tell distances from yardage yep. because yeah. when your mindset is in the zone yeah. and you go to take that shot, it doesn't matter how far you think that deer is. You're just making a basically educated guess and hoping to God that you can hold still enough to shoot that thing. Well, I passed on 30-yard shots thinking they were 100. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's so many times where I've shot at deer that were 15, 20 yards that I could have sworn from my perspective that they were longer than that. Yep. And I've gone right over the top of them. It's yep. like I, it's like those movies when people do like the adrenaline shot and mm-hmm. then everything gets tunnel vision and everything that's, changes. That's, that's, that's a for real feature in yep. bow hunting. I mean, that's it, what bow hunting's like. I don't know how many pins y'all shoot. I shoot one pin. He's a you one shoot pin. one pin? I, I did. I yeah. went back to a three pin this yeah, last, I got, this I last six year. Pin. But I shoot a six pin. Holy crap. See, I used to shoot three pin, and I was like, that's just too much. Like, I, I'm kind of, I will say, I'm basically almost blind in one eye, so my shooting eye is my right eye, luckily. So 
when I'm shooting three pins, it's kind of hard for me to tell with just, you know, looking. Um, and that's practice. So the reason I shoot a six pin is because I can, I can go to John's Island's an archery range on John's Island's Mm -hmm. badass. When you've ever been there. No, I haven't. I'm curious. It's a dollar to go. Yep. And they have, have, you all, a, have y'all heard of Bud's Archery Shop in Somerville? Yeah, I'm sure you have. Yeah, did, Bud's yeah. is a great guy. Bud's who did my uh, yeah Westmoreland. Yeah, yeah, Bud's who did my uh, who did my. I just got this, the cables done on my bear, but mm-hmm. then Bud's. We used to go to a guy. You in shoot a bear too, Mount Pleasant. Yeah, I shoot. I grew bear up as well. watching Fred Bear. So bears yeah. like so leaning up against the wall in there. I've got a. 1954 fred bear recurve wow in there. i saw that earlier yeah that's what that is a 54 fred bear and i've been and it's like i don't use it i just wanted i wanted it to have it but mm-hmm. the guy i bought it from is an archery champion like he, he used that thing to win competitions that's so pretty it's, cool it's a badass bow but yeah like bow hunting it's a totally different thing i always tell everybody that if i if i'm using my rifle i i look at like my wallet mm-hmm. so if i go to the store it's like do i need to check my bank account or can i just call it the american express that's uh that's so a true statement my rifle is my american express i'm just going to the store and buying something <laughs> yeah um, but that being said I, I didn't kill a single deer this year i didn't hunt that much either whiskey and whitetail is kind of like right during peak hunting season mm-hmm. it really took off and we've been super busy gus you got a funny story so now that you've had time <laughs> So one time we went to Colorado to hunt elk and uh, <laughs> we, there's many funny stories uh, that arrived. Well, that was loud um, Thanks, from this, from this particular trip. But <laughs> one actually has to do with the only shot that we got at an elk. Yeah. Um, and the whole trip, uh, Matt and I, and if you listen to this podcast, you, you've maybe heard this story, but. We only got one. We saw several elk. We only got one decent shot at an elk. Yeah. And the whole time, he Matt is carrying around a camera, trying to get as much film as possible. And and the the idea was leading into this hunt was that since I had a little more archery experience mm-hmm. by maybe a few years, yeah. suddenly I was the de facto hunter, and he was going to film. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But we had been mostly connected at the hip the whole hunt to make mm-hmm. sure that anything that went down anything that happened we could communicate and we were right next to each other this one time we decided we were going to split up uh is when a, an elk a bull elk finally come you know comes in and so this thing comes you know walking about midway up a ridge straight across the middle of it and i'm at the bottom and along this this ridge side there's hills mm. and i'm on one side matt's on the other so we can't see each other and there were there were trails along that that slope or that um kind of the face of that ridge where you could tell elk were traveling and so that's why we'd kind of set up there the idea though was that we thought we would be able to get a get an elk coming across like we did and that he would get it on camera and could you walk a little louder sorry man some good feedback on these headphones and mics dude i love it quality it's gonna be super easy to edit and make sound great i say we leave it in just like sorry i jesus i drank like a i don't know so i have these 80 ounce things of water i drank two of them kind of before y'all showed up because i've learned that if i podcast and i drink too much like the next day sucks and i gotta work tomorrow so me too get it i was trying to hound that water anyway sorry <laughs> to interrupt your uh excellent bow kill story from colorado 
You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't want to tell a story anymore. No, go ahead. Keep no, going. I'm done. So he talk. had it. We had it lined up to where Gus was going to shoot, and I'd be able to film. Yeah. However, where I set up was a little further away than where I thought he was because I could see there was this old stand out there, and I could mm-hmm. see the stand. Did I pick up correctly? Yeah, that's where we left yeah, off. Yeah, right where we left off. Yep. So I could see the stand, and that's I didn't you know, realize I'm the stand lying. was like thirty feet tall. Yeah. I, right. Right. It was a tall stand. It was tall as shit. <laughs> so I'm used to like. 15, 20 foot stands. So yeah. I thought I can see, I counted like eight rungs. So I thought eight rungs was like the ground's pretty close. So I didn't move. I set up right there. So I sat there for, I don't know, a couple hours with the bow and the camera's just like ready to go. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, I'm tired of shit. So, <laughs> so I pack up. I was like, it's, you know, it's lunchtime. We're going to have some lunch or whatever. Oh, so no. I come around the corner and he's walking towards me and I'm pissed off because I didn't see anything. And he looks at me and he's like, don't even fucking start. <laughs> I was like, oh no. I was so like, he, what? He's looking at, he looks irritated. Yeah. I think he's irritated at me because yeah. what, what I, I didn't see, what you didn't see yeah. from the time he decided I've had enough to walk over was me sh- take a shot at that elk and miss by, I don't know, five or 10 yards low. Yeah. I just, I got the calculation with elevation wrong. Yeah. I dropped back. It sort of spooked. Went up the ridge. I try, I ran up the, you know, half of what felt like halfway up a mountain through a creek yeah. to try and <laughs> cut this thing off. Yeah. Only for it to decide to go straight up the mountain and cover the entire distance in seconds. That took us probably thirty minutes to hike or climb Damn. ourselves. Yeah, we're talking. We were in Colorado mountains. These yeah. were hills. So this thing climbed a mountain in thirty seconds. So I missed that shot. My heart is pounding like in my throat i'm i'm i ran up this mountain now i'm walking back and i get back to where i had started and i'm like leaned over trying to catch my breath and he comes over the over the hill kind of irritated and i'm thinking he's irritated with me yeah for missing the shot he has no idea any of that transpired none whatsoever and y'all, did, y'all didn't pull a little tk and mike action sitting right there no <laughs> no but i i said uh so I had heard the shot, yeah. but I didn't know that it was a shot because yeah. it was kind of, it was probably 150 yards away. So what I heard sounded like, not necessarily a branch breaking, but but I did hear the shot, mm-hmm. but I didn't recognize it as a shot from a bow. But there was a positive that came out of this. We had, we didn't have to eat Mountain House for dinner that night. That's uh, right. We ended up finding a grouse and this poor thing just kind of stared at me and was like... <laughs> He was on the side of he was perched on the side of a hill and uh, and as I'm walking down I was like well it's just a grouse right there so yeah. I pull my bow off my backpack knock an arrow and this grouse is like staring at me and so as I walk closer the grouse like backs up he's all polite and he's like you can walk through here I don't mind and so like I pull back and and I shoot him with a bow and uh, he's literally standing from yeah the distance that you two <laughs> it's are like no big deal yeah. I, I could have just reached over and picked him up but I shot him with a bow and so like when I shot him it's he just kind of like rolled over, didn't flap, nothing, just died. And that was it. It Jeez. was very uneventful. But like you tell people you killed a grouse with a bow and yeah. people were like, what? Yeah. How did you kill a bird with a bow? That little, must be a killer shot. Little did they know it was point blank. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to tell dude, them that. Dude, it broke the arrow when I hit yeah. it because it was straight into the ground. But anyway. Speaking of comedy, y'all watch TK and Mike growing up? That no. Was, when you said that, I wanted oh to ask. Oh my God. You guys haven't seen TK and Mike? Uh-uh. I don't even want to ruin it. I really don't. I'll look it up. Outdoors with TK and Mike, one of the best outdoor comedies you will ever watch. 
Have you heard of it? I, I have heard of it, and now I'm. It's one of those things where I'm well, trying to. You had Mike, so TK was TK and Mike started probably in the early '90s. These guys have been around for a while. They did a lot on the you know Outdoor Channel and stuff like that. Great comedy guy. They, everything I have is all VCR tape of these guys. Nice. Um, so, anyhow, you can find it on YouTube if you want. They got a couple funny clips on there, but um, they're dying. They kind of died out around the early 2000s, and the reason being okay. was because TK had cancer. So, not to make it a sad story, long story short, TK ended up passing away from cancer. So, it was just Mike kind of running the show for a while. Yeah. And he's been at a ton of hunting events. That's okay. why I asked it, because he's, he's been here locally for a while. Okay. Um, I'd have to see a picture of the two. The name sounds super familiar. They, I have a feeling that I've seen it before. It is, you probably have. They have some of the best hunting comedies okay. that I've ever seen in my life. Right. Um, we used to grow up as kids <laughs> watching it. it. It was just great. He's got bass fishing stuff. He's got elk hunting turkey hunting okay, you, cool. you name it yeah, yeah um he's got one i won't spoil it too much but he's got one that's just so funny they they sit in the at the cabin and they're like we got this big old ww and it's like a eight gauge shotgun with a long barrel it, you could tell it's <laughs> fake but you and i both know that thing's gonna kick like a mule sure so they're sitting in the duck blind and they're like you know gr- they're blowing their duck calls and geese calls and shit and uh, Mike's like, you see that thing up there? And they point the camera up in the air, and there's nothing. You can't see anything. It's just a pure blue sky. And he's like, you see that? Yeah, I see it. Well, you see that up there? Shoot, oh, shoot. And TK's like, I shoot it, I shoot it. And he shoots it, and he falls out the blind. And um, <laughs> he gets, uh, it was actually Mike that took shot. And Mike's sitting on the ground, and he gets all, like, deliriously, because he just shot this gun, and he just killed yeah. him, basically. Um and they show a scene with a bunch of feathers flying in the swamp. And he's like, man, look at this. You got a you got a speck. You got a ring neck. You got a mallard. Look at that. You even got a geese. And he's just walking around picking up different <laughs> birds. And the guy's like throwing up. He's like, oh, my God. And, and TK's just like, man, you got a whole thing here. He's like lifting up like eight birds. And he's funny. Off of one shot. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of the funniest clips that they have. Um <laughs> They got a couple good hunting ones with bows that you guys would appreciate where they play the part of the deer with the camera. Oh, okay. And they look up oh, and the guy's like, funny. the guy's like, you know, he's at full draw. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, he wasn't at full draw yet, but he's pulling his bow up with a rope. That sounds really familiar. Yeah. Did you they got- do the one with the squirrel where the guy's in a squirrel suit with a leaf, with a leaf blower? <laughs> was that them? I don't know if that was them or not, but I know what you're talking about. I think about. about it. I think that was them. That yeah. There was a guy like sitting and like you hear a leaf blower and he turns around as a squirrel. <laughs> like, because squirrels are so damn loud during hunting season. Yeah. Squirrels That's wake funny. me up half the time, guys. That's yeah. the only thing that okay. really wakes yeah. me up. Right. <laughs> Between that and the doves on the corn bow. Oh, man. Well, we hit an hour and a half. I think, um, unless we want to keep drinking and, and come up with something else, I think we're. Well. This is the what, longest podcast we've done yet. Whatever we usually you try to do, do around an hour. This, this has been a great time. Yeah. Whatever I think, you want to do. Well, now that you know the flow, I think you should, as things come to mind that you want to talk about, you should write them down. We'll do this again. Yeah, cool. we'll do it again for sure. I'm all for it. Yeah, this has been a good conversation. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a good pleasure, guys. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, oh, man. Tell everybody again uh, how to find you. All right. So it's palmetto underscore bourbon on Instagram. Um, that's the main way you can get with me. Um, if you want to be part of the Facebook community, it's just Palmetto Bourbon Club. Uh, we can get you guys in. I run the page. I'm one of the moderators with Tim and, and Blair. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a fun community. Like I said, it's not it's not made to, you know, anything for profit. It's mainly just a community sharing good bourbon, post your pictures of what you're drinking, um, and just have a good time. We're all there to enjoy it together. That's what it's all about at the end of the day.
So was there a guy in the Palmetto Bourbon Club that just moved to Los Angeles? I don't think so, no. Okay, because there was somebody. There was a guy, and now I will say Nick. um, Nick. What's his name? Nick is in California right now, but he's traveling there. Nick isn't part of Palmetto, but he's part of the South Carolina Bourbon Society. There's a guy that lives in his neighborhood that was part of a Facebook page locally. Okay. It's probably Nick. Nick Nick is in California right now. What'd you say? Nicky D? Yeah, Nick Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he actually lived right down the road from us, and my yeah. neighbor knows him, or my one of my neighbor's friends knows him. I tried to hook up with him. It was Nick the day is actually he moved. Nick he actually does picks. Yeah, he does picks. But yeah. he did he actually move? Yeah, he moved. He, oh wow! He, no, it's L.A. because he, he he got a job with the L.A. Times. Well, I've been following his stuff for a while, and I, I know Nick, but I've I didn't know he moved though. Yeah, he moved. That's interesting. Because I the only reason I know that is because I knew he had something to do with local bourbon stuff. I was like, yeah. not you're leaving, I'll take the reins. And he was like, he oh, well, had, I'm part of a group. <laughs> I was like, oh. he has. Um, I don't know if you've had bourbon with him in an event. Or no, anything. I've never met him. He's got some phenomenal old dusties. Um, Does he? he had some old crow from the eighties. I was told some... that he was invited to like uh, estate sales with bourbon. Yeah, and so he's bought like old shit that's been. Nick's on got the some the of the oldest stuff I've ever seen. Yeah. and the good thing about Nick is I'll, I'll go and say it. he he took some of those dusties and he actually made sample bottles out of them and distributed them. That's awesome. Um, but he had some good old crow good uh he had like an old i think it was eagle rare that was from like the 80s damn and and he did it on live on uh facebook actually where he popped it and of course you know as soon as he tried to pop it cork didn't come out so he had to use a wine opener to get it out and um that's wild yeah. yeah it's such a small it's i always say this about the military it's like no i don't know everybody in the military but it's always a small community like we just met someone today that or not today this week that um works with Grunt style, mm-hmm. and then one of the charities that we support. Um, Fantastic shirts, by the way. Well, they work with Grunt yeah. style as well, and it's like this chick. Um, it's called Whiskey Rebellion. Is her screen name? I've heard of that. So she's dating a guy from Grunt style, and the guy from Grunt style is the charity guy for Grunt style that works with our third business partner. Okay, so that's cool. It's always wild to see like these. So the fact that you know Nick, and we don't know Nick, she followed him for like fishing stuff. Yeah, I and so knew, I know her through him. I will say I know Nick through her. Um, I know Nick, but I don't know him on a personal level. As well, much, I don't know him at but all. But I, yeah, I, I have had drinks with him. Great guy. Um, yeah. And he's always been willing to support other people. It's no different than anything else. If you're willing to help somebody out, they'll help you kind for of sure. deal. You know. For sure. Yeah. Well, hell yeah, man! Thanks for coming. Absolutely. Um, Thank any you parting guys for words? Me. You got a cool quote you want to say? <laughs> no, no, nothing. Just, uh, I guess all I can really say, I say it all the time, is um, really just always think about uh, it's not about what you do in life, and uh, just it's it's about the reputation uh, with other people is the way I like to say it. So, yep. I mean, be you, obviously, but always remember it's it's not about the money, it's not about what you what you make in life, it's about the reputation and the, and the you know what you leave here on this earth that people remember you by hell yeah man wise words and that's uh one of my favorite quotes that pairs with that is you die twice once when you take your last breath Mm -hmm. and again when the last person ever speaks your name absolutely so it's good for people to know who you are and be friendly and and uh give back to your community guys that's all we want to do absolutely point of the podcast point of the show point of everything get back to the community good deal so colton thanks for driving all the way out here we appreciate it (laughs) absolutely thank you guys for having me god bless
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.